Let's get ready to rumble! Hello and welcome to Thursday, March 4th edition of Nothing But Airtime. As always, I am your host, Cole Rains, and we are got a quite a bit of a stack show for you today. I may say a little biased, I have to, I have to admit. But we're gonna start off with some big news. Uh, big game ended out in Portland. Uh, coaches firing. Got the three-point contest field announced and a little bit of a Twitter fun hypothetical there. Get into some hot and cold teams. Motion picture minute where I'm looking at bad movies that could use a remake. And then we round out the show with some TV show treasures. Talking about WandaVision again. Talking about the best HBO shows again. Talking about shows I have rewatched. And it because it is Thursday, we have some throwback Thursdays when we beat the buzzer to end it. As always, we like to thank our friends at Anchor. Without them, we would not be here. So a quick moment for them. Starting off the news today, I have to give a quick shout out to Damian Lillard. That game was awesome between the Portland Trailblazers and the Golden State Warriors. Hit the game winning three, which it ended up to be as he ended up taking the game saving charge against Draymond Green in the closing seconds of that one. One of the better games I've seen in recent memory. Portland and Golden State, Damian Steph always put on a good show. Uh, Draymond had a pretty big night, but in the end, Dame gets the laugh, laugh, last laugh, excuse me, hits a big three, takes a big charge. Shout out to him. He's doing MVP level stuff out in Portland. You don't want to miss it. I get it's out west. It's hard to stay up for, but if you have the chance, do it, do it, do it. I spoke about Lloyd Pierce's firing. He came out and had a few more words to say. Uh, he was not a fan of Trey Young's shot selections and just trying to draw a foul all the time. I know John Collins has came out and spoke to Trey Young's shot selection and how he's not a fan of how much he gets the ball and the usage rates that he has. Maybe it's not a coaching problem. Maybe it's not a management problem. Maybe it's a Trey Young problem. Maybe we got to hone him in a little bit. They have built this team around him to be successful. And we'll get this and we'll get into this a little bit in the hot and cold, but they have kind of struggled a little bit. So maybe it's not a management problem. Maybe it's not a coaching problem. Maybe it's not a John Collins problem. Job, John Collins problem. Trey Young might have to look in the mirror. Takes a lot of shots. He kind of was a, a whiny player about it when John Collins called him out. Next day, he wasn't shooting at all, wasn't looked to pass. He kind of had that Kobe weird game after, I believe it was Odom or Fisher called him out. And now here we are. And, and the Hawks are out of it. Pierce is out of a job. We see Nick Mill coming in. Maybe he can right the ship. But it seems like it is an absolute cluster out in Atlanta. The three-point contest field was announced for the All-Star game. It sounds like all of the events will be going on during halftime of this All-Star game, and uh, all the contestants are in the All-Star game as well. Steph Curry, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Devin Booker, and Zach Levine, all All-Stars. Personally, I think Curry puts on a show. He's always good in these. It was always fun watching him and Clay battle it out on the big stage. I don't see another name on here, possibly Levine or Booker, that can get hot and rival him. But Mitchell, Tatum, and Brown, I expect to fall out of the – contest early and we'll have that finals of curry booker and levine lastly up in my news here my notes about the news wrestling basketball i don't know how to call it i don't know what to call it it had its moment on twitter today it was on my twitter timeline and it was this kind of weird sport where everyone's in singlets running around with a basketball no dribbling and people are putting each other in body locks headlocks trying to whip each other down to the ground pin them so this kind of weird college wrestling Basketball sport has came around, and I thought I'd give you my starting five for who I'd want on it. 
I'd take Russell Westbrook. I'd take Marcus Smart. I'd take LeBron James. I'd take Serge Ibaka, and I would take Steven Adams. I'm hard-pressed to find a better five. I spoke to, I believe, if all is all time, Bill Lambeer somewhere on that list. But wrestling, basketball, I'd never thought I would see the day that that is an actual sport. So I got to thinking, obviously, about the players, and I got to thinking about sports that could combine and be quite a sight to see. Baseball, hockey, if you had to hit balls into goals, I think that would be quite interesting. I think if you combined golf and tennis, where you have golf clubs hitting each other back, that would be quite the spectacle to see as well. I don't know. Tweet at me your sports that you would want to see combined. Tweet at me your starting five for wrestling basketball at nothing but airtime. I'd be very, very interested to hear what you all have to say. I mentioned it with the Hawks. Up next are the hot and cold teams right after the break. So on the docket for hot and cold teams, we are looking at six. We have three hot and three cold. I do believe I'll say some are lukewarm, but we'll get into those when we get them. We have two cold, excuse me, one heating up, two lukewarm and a hot. So we are about halfway through the season. The Dallas Mavericks have had a little bit of a whirlwind. Um, Started off very slow, last place in three-point percentage, Traded Josh Richardson for uh, Seth Curry, not Steph Curry. That's been a very bad trade, but it looks like it's a bad trade. Nonetheless, Josh Richardson for Seth Curry. We see how Curry, how much value he could bring to this team that was in last place for three-point shooting. Uh, They have crawled up. They are currently right around league average in that 20 to 21st range, still kind of climbing up to that top 15, top half of the league. But uh, in that span, when they've done it, they're 8-2. and They're 8-2 and in their last 10 games. They've won five out of their last six. They have W's against the Nets and Celtics. Luka seems to be picking it up. He's starting to play himself into shape. KP is starting to look better. Uh, Luka was out tonight against Oklahoma City. Christoph Porzingis led them to a win. A little bit of an ugly game. Both teams scored on less than 90 points. You don't see that often, but it's good to see that Dallas is starting to lock up a little bit. Maxi Kleba is starting to play an interesting role. You've got Dorian Finney-Smith on the wing, loading up minutes for them. Kristaps starting to look healthy again, and Luka is back into shape. Uh, hopefully he's not gone for too long because I'll take a pretty big hit for Dallas. But they are hot right now, 8-2 in the last 10, 5 out of their last 6. I spoke to Lloyd Pierce in his firing and his troubles with Trey Young. The Atlanta Hawks are cold. You can call them what they want. I know they have won a couple in a row. I believe it's two. But they're 6-11 and 11 in their last 17 games. And when you look at that span of the weird 17 games, I took that. That's right around when DeAndre Hunter went down. That shows how valuable, how much of a step DeAndre Hunter has taken this season. You know, he was kind of pegged to be this Robert Covington type guy. I'd argue he's a little bit better than Covington was when they were both on the floor healthy. He's perfect for what Trey Young brings to the table. He's 3 and D, can play alongside him, can lock up the team's opposing best wing. So him going down obviously hurt that team. Then I spoke to Gallinari's injuries, Bogdanovich's injuries. Capella missed a chunk of the season to start. They have been kind of a mess. I'm interested to see what happens now that McMillan is sounds like coming in and you've got this, all these pieces. What is the rotation going to look like with a new coach? And you still have, I talk about all these questions, and you still have John Collins that wants out possibly. You know, they're they're garnered around Trey. And I spoke this about when I was talking about. Lloyd Pierce a minute ago. Jack Collins spoke out against Trey Young. Lloyd Pierce spoke out against Trey Young. Might not be, might be a little bit easier not to build around Trey, 
Um, I look at the teams that have won in the past few years. I can only think of one that has been guard oriented. Uh, Steph Curry. And even then, you had Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. You got a great supporting cast. I don't see a Clay Thompson on the Atlanta Hawks yet. I don't see a Draymond Green on the Atlanta Hawks yet either. Um, not I, I. You can com- possibly their ceilings could be, but they also had Kevin Durant. Uh, it was just a good overall team. It wasn't isolation style ball, high usage rate style ball that Golden State was doing. That's what wins. You win with two good. Uh, Forward pairings, you look at LeBron, AD, when the Raptors won, Kyle Lowry, Kawhi Leonard, Pascal Siakam, Marcus All, they had a good team ball. That's not what Atlanta's doing. Atlanta doesn't scare me. They are a few years away. I'm interested to see what their future holds. But for now, they're cold. And why they are cold is because they are one of the worst teams in the fourth quarter. They have given up the second most points in crunch time. Not what you want to see as a young team, blowing leads, and they could be a little bit better if everyone stayed healthy, obviously. But cold team, Lloyd Pierce out. Sounds like Trey Young's having some issues. Something to monitor in Atlanta. We're heading just a little bit west. The Houston Rockets continue to lose. They're up to double digits now, 13 to be exact, after Houston got uh, trounced by Brooklyn. I don't know if there's a fire sale coming. I don't know what's coming for Houston. They got rid of Maury. They got rid of D'Antoni. James Harden's out of there now. It seems like Christian Wood was a great piece. He got hurt. They've kind of gone down this downward spiral. Some of these young talents have come up. Sean Tate's been nice. You know, Sterling Brown has kind of had this weird rejuvenation out there. Mason Jones looks like a playable player. They have some nice pieces. DeMarcus Cousins is now out of there, though. You know, Victor Oladipo said he doesn't want to sign an extension. Is that more on those two trying to bet on themselves? Is that on management? Another something to monitor with one of the worst teams in the NBA right now, 13 losses in a row, the ice-cold Houston Rockets. Heading a little bit no- a lot of bit north and a little bit east, we have the New York Knicks. I have them as a lukewarm team right now. They're starting to get that kind of hot phase. They've climbed up into the top five. They're 7-3 in their last 10. Mitchell Robinson has been out. Nerlens Noel has been, I won't say stellar, but a serviceable replacement. Randall continues to play all NBA ball, but the reason why they continue to win in this span that they have played so well during, they are the hottest team behind the arc, and that is what you want to see out of a young team. Emmanuel quickly has been great. Barrett is a little spotty here and there, but when he's on, he's on. He's a tough guard, and obviously Randall is playing all NBA ball. you got some depth now with Derrick Rose. When Mitchell Robinson gets back, Ernest Noel can come off the bench. They have some pieces to get excited about. Alec Burks is still there. You know, Reggie Bullock's still there. Obi Toppin has kind of not lived up to expectations out of Dayton yet. I know he's been kind of riddled with injury this season too. But it's fun watching the New York Knicks play basketball. That's good for the NBA. And they're lukewarm, starting to get hot. Good for New York. Another team that's lukewarm, starting to get hot. I have the San Antonio Spurs. They are also 7-3 and three in their last 10. Deontay Murray has looked outstanding in these last few games. He had a moment against Brooklyn. Took him to OT on one of the wilder plays I have seen this season. The team is close to contention. I like a lot of their pieces. I spoke to that a couple weeks ago when I talked about the advanced numbers with Murray and White and Keldon Johnson on the same floor, Lonnie Walker on the same floor with no DeRozan, no Aldridge. Maybe DeRozan and Aldridge get out of there. Becky Hammond starts to step in the head coaching role. I know Pop is kind of uh, on it, on his way out. I don't want to say because he's getting fired, but he's getting old and it, it's a matter of time. I feel I know we say that every year, and it's the same thing we do with LeBron. But I truly believe we're coming on uh, wit's end here for Pop. And I like him, and I like what they got going on that team. 
they're young, they're fun. Lonnie Walker's a lot of fun. Deontay Murray's a lot of fun. Derek White's a lot of fun. Kelvin Johnson's a lot of fun. Devin Vassell, when he's been getting minutes, has been okay as well. Jakob Poito has been great at the rim defend defensively. They are a playoff team. They are in contention. I like a lot of their pieces. I don't know if it's this year, but right now they're hot. They're hot, and I'm excited about San Antonio. And then the team I said that was Tice Tice Cold, that was the Boston Celtics last week. Excuse my horrible pun, but they're starting to heat up. They've won three in a row. Kemba's starting to look better. I Granted, they beat a Kawhi-less Clippers team. They did what they were supposed to, though. Starting to climb up back in the top five. Obviously, you know, the bottom of that, bottom outside of the top three in the East, that bottom half is terrible, terrible. And uh, when you see the Knicks uh, and some of these teams that are kind of on the fringe of making that playing tournament in the West before the, be in that four to five range in the East, you know it's bad. But the Celtics are starting to climb up again. Last three wins, Indiana, Washington, Clippers. Washington has been a little bit streaky as well. They've been playing better ball. You want to know a big reason why? Three-point success, second and three-point shooting over that streak. So congrats to the Boston Celtics. Congrats to their fans. You might have something in Kemba this year just before your eyes. I know it was kind of shocking when he came out and didn't look like Kemba, didn't look like himself. You're getting Marcus Smart back soon. You're starting to play better ball. You should be in the mix. So Dallas is hot. Atlanta is cold. Houston is very cold. Knicks are starting to get hot. Spurs are starting to get hot. And the Celtics are heating up. That rounds out the hot and cold teams for the day. Up next, the motion picture minute. We have 10, I won't call them bad movies, but 10 movies that could use a remake. And, and for that reason, it could be casting. It could be the poor writing. Any of that. Up next after the break. So I have a list of 10. Now, these aren't ranked in any order. I just have 10 movies that I feel could be good remakes. And, and I'm not going to call them bad movies, but when they came out, they didn't live up to expectation. And, and the first movie I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have on the list is, is The Green Lantern uh, with Ryan Reynolds. Obviously, when you talk about Green Lantern, it is one of the staples in DC superheroes. He's in the Justice League in the comics. He was in the TV shows, the cartoons, as the comics, you know, Justice League. Back in the halls of justice, you know, you always had the green and black. He had the ring and everything. It wasn't bad. It wasn't good at all, though. It had much more potential. It has the potential to kind of rock uh, this superhero-driven world that we live in when we talk about movies. I was always interested in this character personally. Uh, as a kid, he was one of my favorite superheroes. I had the ring. I had the shirt. I went for him as Halloween, all that fun stuff, you know. And the Ryan Reynolds one sucked, and it hurt, and it was creepy, and it didn't feel like true Green Lantern Asuka. And they kind of left you on a, on a spoiler, or not a spoiler, a, a, kind of on a hook at the end, I guess you could say. Left you with a, you wanted more. And, and you know, you, it was kind of like a train wreck. You knew it was bad, but you kept watching. There's money to be made. I know Deadpool made a joke with Ryan Reynolds. Deadpool 2, Ryan Reynolds not taking that contract. So it is kind of widely regarded as one of the worst superhero movies of all time. There is a chance to remake it. There is money to be made on that remake. And with this Snyder cut of the Justice League re-releasing, I personally believe that we could see a Green Lantern cameo and we could see a three to four movie push of that character. I just it has to be casted right. That's the big thing with Green Lantern. That's my first movie on the list. Sticking with superheroes, my next movie on the list is going to be Hancock. Will Smith, nothing against that version. I thought it was a, a good movie, but it had potential to be great. When you talk about 
superheroes. Obviously, they dominate the market right now. I said that with Green Lantern. Another one could be worth a try when you're talking about Hancock. Hancock was the idea of, oh, what if he gets drunk with the real life, you know, complications of becoming this superhero. And we kind of see that in the boys a little bit. I loved the boys on Prime Video. I can't wait for season three. It kills me that we're going to have to wait one more year for it. But we kind of see the darker side of superheroes in Hancock. And we could capitalize on the superhero craze and the amount of popularity that the boys had by bringing in another Hancock movie. I don't think Will Smith should play it. Uh, it kind of had darker undertones near the end of that movie. I'm not taking anything away from the movie, but I think a remake with this type of CGI that we see in Marvels, with the CGIs we see in the DC Universe, it could be spectacular. Hancock is another movie I have that I would like to see get remade. Another movie, 90s, we're going to ship back to John claude Van Damme. Time Cop. It was promising. I loved the concept. This is one where I want to see the concept on the big screen. Again, law enforcement policed time travel. Imagine that with today's CGI 2021 coming out in, I don't know, we'll call it December. I would be all in. You had all the possibilities of the world. Policing time travel. And they chose a revenge plot, prototypical of the 1990s, you know, but a remake of Time Cop. Somebody, I don't know who would replace John claude Van Damme's character, but I'm in. I'm in. I, I personally didn't hate the 90s version, but there is a potential of that becoming even better. The next level of that, and I think Time Cop could be a great remake. One of the bigger flops of all times next on the list. I have Waterworld with Kevin Costner. The premise is there. And this is another one I kind of like the concept. It's kind of that opposite feel of Mad Max. For Mad Max, you didn't have any water. Post-apocalyptic world, say that's seven times fast. But in this time, you have all the water. You're surrounded by water. Everyone's kind of a pirate. It kind of seemed like a gimmicky, goofy type movie in the 90s. If you went a little bit more serious route, we saw Mad Max Fury Road get some love uh, in the award nominations a couple of years ago. A remake of Waterworld could do the same thing. One that I hold near and dear to my heart. I loved the original Predator. I liked the original Aliens. In 2004, they thought they'd do Alien versus Predator, and it just was kind of a CGI mess. I want this to be remade, and I want it to be made remade very badly. 2017, you had Alien Covenant come out. In 2018, we saw Predator being remade in kind of a funnier tone a little bit, but it's still same type of plot. A 2021, 2022, whatever you want to call it, Alien versus Predator with today's CGI and the plots that you build up from both of those, I think sells. You see Godzilla versus Kong is selling right now. Everybody loves a good remake. And the amount of CGI that could come from this would be, or the amount of CGI that we have and could make this even better would be spectacular. I'll even take it a step forward. You know, I, I babysit little kids. I see what the little kids are playing. Fortnite, they have Predator on the game. So, Money's to be made there. Like every kid will know who Predator is. You'll kind of go in with a, 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 I don't know, a bull in the fight, I guess you could say. Just like you have with King Kong versus Godzilla, you could have with Alien and Predator in a remake. So I would love to see an Alien versus Predator remake. Another movie that could capitalize on these type of movies that have been coming out as of late, a Mario Brothers movie. The original was atrocious, no doubt about it. But we're starting to see some of these video game movies come out. We saw, I believe it was an Assassin's Creed movie, which is a little bit different tone than Mario Brothers, obviously. But we saw Sonic. We saw Detective Pikachu. We're seeing a Mortal Kombat. 
Just keep capitalizing on it. People played your games. People love Super Mario. Kids still play Super Mario, whether it's on the Nintendo Switch or the Wii U or the Nintendo Wii. So remaking a, a, a Mario movie, a better Mario movie, I don't know who you cast, but I think it could be, I think there's money to be made there, capitalize on the nostalgia of the kids growing up now and the adults that are 30 to 40 years old that played their games in the 70s and 80s, you know, do it. Do it. I think it's. I think it's free money. I think it's printing money. Like you saw how well Detective Pikachu did, and hey, hell, even Sonic did okay with the right casting of Jim Carrey as Sputnik. I didn't even hate both of those. I think if done right, a Mario movie could blow those two out of the water. But we'll see. I. I, I don't know. I, I. I think it could work, but I. I get. It would be hard to get a Bowser character in here. Uh, but CGI is a thing, and, and I'm just going to keep going back to that. The technology that we have now is much different than when the original Mario movie came out. This next one is not a bad movie at all, but I could probably use a remake, The Outsiders. I know not a lot of people like remakes. I know a lot of people like to not touch classics, and The Outsider is absolutely a classic. But I'll just say this, and I'll be done with it. Imagine a Outsiders movie with Tom Holland as Ponyboy. Yes, please sign me up. I'll watch it. I like Tom Holland. He's a young star. Get him in a proven plot. Make him an even bigger star. I know he's Spider-Man right now. Put him as Pony Boy. He'll be one of the most beloved actors of all time. This one's not a remake, but more so a, a sequel. Remaking another National Treasure would be... I'm in. I'm in. I know Disney Plus is kind of capitalizing on live action remakes we've seen it with mulan we've seen it with the jungle book the lion king they have a bunch and this isn't so much a live action but everybody kind of liked that movie it's very memeable like nick cage i'm going to steal the declaration of independence i see it all the time on my like timeline tiktok instagram it's there like people like still use that quote to this day you got the city of gold memes and the cast was pretty solid if you could get some younger people in there it's not maybe not like super young, but keep Nicolas Cage in, in the head role. Have him kind of teach some of these younger treasure hunters, if you may, looking for a, a, a abandoned treasure that is in the USA archives, the libraries, whatever. I'm in. Count me in in that movie. I'll go pay my $10, $15 ticket at a at a movie theater when they open up. Popcorn, $25 for some reason, but I'll watch it. I'll watch it in the theater. And uh, if you can get some young guys that Nick Cage kind of te teaches, I think it opens a world of possibility for Disney Plus. Could be TV shows, could be another movie series. Who knows? But if they done right, it could do very well for Disney Plus. The last two are books. The last two are books. And, and the first book that was made into a movie that was bad and probably could use a remake. I can't believe I'm saying this, is Twilight. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Overall, I thought Twilight was a good story. Like, love story, I obviously, like, everyone was into it. My mom was a reading teacher at the time when the book dropped, so, of course, she's reading all three, Breaking Dawn, New Moon, whatever. The I'm, I think there were four. I'm not 100% sure. I only saw the original because that's all I needed to see. Um, they were bad. The CGI wasn't great. Kristen Stewart was just meh. You know, I think with the modern CGI, a better cast, the story is there. It's just a matter of putting it on a movie screen better than they did a couple of years ago. Twilight, a remade version, could be a lot better. I don't know. I think it's too recent to remake. Maybe give it five, six, seven years. We might see uh, that kind of those rumors start circulating. 
but Twilight Remake could do business pretty well, uh, I think. And then another book, I know people yell at me, I think Aragon should be remade. Don't get me wrong. I haven't seen the movie. I read the book as a kid. The uh, Everyone told me not to see the movie, so maybe it should be. Aragon was an interesting read, but that was like elementary school. I can't tell you exactly what happened, but I remember the, if, the fact that I do remember it from 10, 15 years ago is astounding to me. So it had to have been some sort of entertaining. So maybe remake that one as well. But the last movie I have on my list is The Lightning Thief. Even the author of The Lightning Thief, the Percy Jackson series, came out and he said he hated the movies. The books were awesome. I loved the books. The Greek gods, the Olympians, the Battle of Zeus, Poseidon, Hades, all of it. You know, it was just tremendous. I learned a lot about Greek mythology, actually, from reading those books. Now, obviously, I don't know how much of it translated to the movie if the author hated it. But with a better cast and maybe, you know, most of those guys that read those books were fourth, fifth graders when those movies dropped. Remake them into PG-13 rated R movies. Actually, scrap the PG-13. Make them into rated R movies. Everyone that read those books when they were popular are probably 20, 21 years old now, just like me. Wanted to watch it. Wanted to, you know, kind of get a little nostalgia about what they saw in the, in the, in the books. Alexander Daddario was cast in that movie, which was great, but I, I couldn't tell you another member of that cast. You get some young stars in there and you get some Greek mythology and some wars and some fighting and, and some good dialogue. Get Rick Riordan on the horn, tell him, hey, we're doing this. It could be a money grab for people my age because a lot of people my age read them. And I think that's probably the one I would like to see most get remade is the lightning thief in that series. There's money to be made, probably possibly followed by a, a national treasure where you kind of can lead into a TV show or another movie series with the emergence of Disney plus. So those are my two favorite, but rounding out the list, just a quick rundown. I have Hancock time cop Waterworld, a new alien versus predator, a better Mario movie, the outsiders with Tom Holland, a national treasure that could lead into more movies or TV shows, twilight, the lightning thief and green lantern. As always, Tweet at me what you would like to see remade. I know I missed a bunch, but hey, remakes are remakes. Some love them, some don't. I would like to see some of the bad movies get remade rather than keep remaking the same new ones. <clears throat> a star is born. So <laughs> up next, that rounds out our motion picture minute. Up next, we have our TV show Treasures, where I have my five best HBO shows, in my opinion. So they're kind of my five personal favorites with an honorable mention. The TV series I most rewatch. And then I close the show with WandaVision before we head into beating the buzzer. That's all after the break. As always, we are kind of a segmented show on Thursdays with the Motion Picture Minute and TV show Treasures. I'm going to break down the TV show Treasures in three different segments today. Um, they'll all be in one, so we won't have any breaks in between. But I have my five best HBO shows, my most rewatched series, and closing thoughts on WandaVision. I'll let you know when to skip if you don't want to hear any spoilers when I round out with WandaVision, because we do have one more segment after. But I'm going to start off with my HBO shows. HBO is currently got HBO Max. They are getting more and more movies signing on, uh, going straight to theater and HBO Max, which I think is awesome. Granted, I don't think anything rivals an, ex an experience of a great movie in a movie theater, but good for HBO Max, kind of seeing the writing on the wall with the pandemic, people not wanting to go out as much. I like it. Tom and Jerry was just released on that as well. I'd say go check that out. I'm hoping I can watch that one this weekend. 
But HBO is known for a lot of their TV shows, Sopranos, The Wire, Game of Thrones, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Those are all going to be on the list. I have five, my my five favorites with an honorable mention, of course. And my honorable mention to start off the five HBO shows is Ballers. Spencer Strasmore and The Rock, he's a football agent. He becomes an owner. It's kind of a wild ride, but a fun one nonetheless. All-time theme song using Right Above It by Lil Wayne and Drake. That's kind of what led me into this topic today when I had it on Tuesday Tunes. But if you have not seen Ballers, go check it out. The Rock is a football agent. A lot of fun. Just a fun, funny episode or funny TV show, real TV show when talking about kind of the struggles that football players go through as well. Starting off the list at number five, I have Curb Your Enthusiasm. You can't beat Larry David, man. All of it is just all of it. The improv, improv comedy, you know, that kind of Seinfeld level humor. Larry David's one of the best. It's one of the best TV comedies ever in my brain, in my eyes. Can't take, yeah, I, I don't think that's arguable. Curb Your Enthusiasm at number five. Number four, I have The Sopranos. The ending kind of ruined it for me personally. That's why I didn't crack the top three. Outside of the ending, the mob boss, the mob mentality, all that. It just was so damn good, dude. Like, you just following each and every storyline that went through the family. Just great. And it, and got, it ties in with the number three pick with some of the family members that end up on the number three pick. But Overall, the show kind of gives you a detailed look at kind of why we justify bad decision and bad in us and bad in people. And I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I, I, I watched it a long time ago, three, four years ago, when that was kind of prevalent. Game of Thrones was still going on. And I, I was just getting into the HBO world and I watched Sopranos. It's definitely worth a rewatch. I, I don't know, though, knowing the ending is hard to get back into. That's why I have it at number four, because that ending just kind of left me blank. Number three, I have Entourage, and this is my personal favorite, and we'll get into why in my most rewatched series, but I'll just give a quick blurb now. It's certainly not the best, but kind of a backstage look at Hollywood works. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Turtle, E, drama, Ari Gold. They kill me. They, they all make me laugh. The, the real-life implications of becoming a superstar, what you want, what movies you want, how getting a big screen, big time movie works. It's, it's pretty cool comedy, everything. It's it, HBO does a tremendous job with Entourage. And I think ending is pretty good. Not great, but overall, uh, better than the Sopranos, I'd say. And the movie wasn't terrible either. Number two, I have The Wire. They had five great seasons, kind of in each in different environments, but it all stayed kind of in one, if that makes sense. If you have, you have to watch to understand. The attention to detail kind of is unparalleled. I just I, I I think that's all you can say on it. I don't want to give you too much of a, a plot on it because if you do want to watch it, I don't want to spoil anything for you. I've watched all these shows thoroughly. The Wire at number two. And of course, at number one, if I could just take six seasons of it, I think Game of Thrones is the best TV show ever, just the first six seasons. But you can't say that because the seventh and eighth were absolute dog poo-poo. Outside of the bad ending, though, they have crossed lines I have never seen before, you know, backstabbings and the red wedding and all that you got to go watch it to like fully understand why it was some of the best tv and then the heartbreak you felt in season eight but outside of that season eight just horrible ending season one through six had me at the edge of my seat kind of scratching that itch hoping i could see aria hoping i could see the different characters game of thrones number one i'll get into my most rewatched series here um i i brought up entourage 
it is my number two uh, series I most rewatch. The number one series I most rewatch. It's it's always sunny in Philadelphia. I rank my top ten episodes. I fall asleep to it every night before bed. The comedy, the the, the charisma of each character, the chemistry of each character is tremendous. You watch all the behind the scenes. Dennis's actor is always saying he's trying to crack up Charlie. And you can kind of see it when you watch, when you're listening, when they do those behind the scenes. They did them a lot during quarantine. It kind of gives you a diff different look at these TV shows and how much chemistry each actor has with one another. I haven't seen anything rival It's Always Sunny when you're talking about chemistry between cast. So that is my number one. And obviously I said my number two is Entourage. I got it on DVD. It was one of my first gifts in Christmas. Like when I turned 16, I bought it for myself because it was my Christmas gift to myself. I got my car and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go buy something that my parents might not. Entourage, it's rated R. TVMA, whatever you may say on uh, on HBO, living in Hollywood, parents are like, eh, I don't know. I bought it for myself. I like it. Ari Gold kills me. Some of it might not hold up today, PC and all that fun stuff, but Vinny, Vinny Chase, Johnny Trauma is one of the funniest, I'd argue one of the funniest characters in any TV show ever. And then, of course, Ease, all the relationship drama with Sloan and, and what he goes through. And then Turtle is just kind of your boy that rides along. Marky Mark, all the different celebrity cameos. Uh, Tom Brady's in there. LeBron James is in there. Matt Damon's in there. They have so many. you got to go check it out if you haven't on HBO. Entourage. Great theme song as well. Number three, I'm just currently in the midst of my second time rewatching it. Brooklyn Nine-Nine. First time I rewatched it, you know, I watched it with the, with the lady. Obviously, you know what that that what that means. You, you watch an episode and you want to watch more. She falls asleep, so you watch more, and then you rewatch it with her. So some of these episodes I've seen third, fourth time I've watched it. But Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Andy Samberg, Terry Crews, they just do a great job. The cast, talking about chemistry, they get along very well. Boyle kills me. Hitchcock and Scully are just always there for comedic relief. The relationships, it kind of has a real-life feel in some episodes. Uh, as a cop, I, I believe one of them, Rosa, kind of the hardo cop, the, the rusted, cold cop that I guess you may is taken as a hostage. And you kind of see the real feel that cops go through and the day to day that they do as well to have fun and what is kind of a strenuous job. Obviously, it's a little bit Hollywood up, but I like Andy Samberg. I like Terry Crews and I like what that show gives to us, has a love story in there. It gives you a little bit of everything, love, comedy, action, some heist, some different twists and turns. Brooklyn Nine-Nine is on Hulu, NBC, all of it. Go check it out. One of my favorites. Number four, and I believe it is the most rewatchable show of all time. If it's on TBS, if it's on TNT, The U, wherever you may find it. I think Seinfeld, when it is on TV, it is always on. Like if I can find it on live, the guide, cable, whatever you call it. If I can find it, it's going on the TV. Just so many quotable different episodes. You know, The Whale, when, uh, I believe it is. George, that exit, he is a marine biologist and spies the golf ball on the whale. You got Kramer, who is one of the funnier characters. And even It's Always Sunny kind of spoofs Seinfeld. Jerry Seinfeld's one of the best. And obviously, we talked about the TV families a couple weeks ago. I had Elaine on the list. A lot of likable characters in Seinfeld. I'd argue it's the best TV show of all time, but there are there are some others that can rival it. And I don't know if this one next one rivals it, but I, I like it a lot. New Girl. I've watched it twice now. I love Zoe Deschanel. Nick Miller's character kills me. Schmidt's character kills me. Winston is one of the funniest pranks, pranks, pranks all the time. He cracks me up. 
just a overall, you know, love stories all over the place. And you're hoping for them to connect Nick and Jess, and then they don't, and then they do, and then they don't, and they do. And oh my goodness, it's a it's a rip your heart out, then it'll put you back in and give you all the life in the world when they get together. And it's I love New Girl. And if you haven't watched it, it's on Netflix, go check it out. So my five most rewatched series are It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Entourage, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Seinfeld, and New Girl. Now, this is going to be the part where if you are not caught up with WandaVision or you are not watching the show, I will tell you to fast forward about four minutes. All right. WandaVision. Episode eight was brilliant. Brilliant. I needed kind of a backstage look of how it all happened. The hex, vision, why Agatha is there, how it happened, how vision can turn people's brains off, which I'm still kind of lost about. But it's all there. And, and it left us with just an absolute cliffhanger of cliffhangers with white vision. Is that going to be Ultron? Is Hayward Ultron? You know, um, we heard Scarlet Witch for the first time. Is that mean? Is we getting mutants? Are we getting X Men? I've seen teasers that Doctor Strange is going to be coming in the finale and bringing in the multiverse. So maybe we'll see some X Men mutants. I know people are still clamoring for Reed Richards. I know people are still clamoring for Spider Man multiverse. Who knows? But the, all the possibilities that they have for this next episode have me just itching for this next one. I feel like Dave Chappelle in that gif. Hey, you got any of that WandaVision? Because I am needing it, and I'm needing it now. Agatha, I did not know how big of a witch she was, how bad of a witch she was. But when you saw the first scene open up that she's taking all these other witches' powers, including the head one, and just absorbing them and then wiping them all out, okay, yeah, she is going to be a problem. She's going to be a problem a long time in the MCU. Hopefully, I mean, maybe she's solved next episode, but I would doubt, I, I would doubt it. I think she's going to be... Uh, a big reason, a uh, big villain in the Doctor Strange multiverse of madness. And, you know, with the Doctor Strange rumor that he's coming in, you know, you heard the Luke Skywalker level cameo. We saw the one that the one that still kind of leaves me shook is the cameo that Paul Bettany said. Maybe it's Magneto because we saw Wanda's life as a child. And I, there are plenty of rumors saying that that's not a real dad. I don't know. I don't know. We didn't see enough of it. But what Marvel did in that episode is it made me feel genuinely bad for Wanda. It made me feel that she is not the villain. And, and it did a great job of that. It ripped my heart out when it showed the blueprint of where Vision was going to be and where they were going to spend their life together. And, and then Wanda sees Vision split apart and Hayward made it look like that Wanda was not going to see Vision uh, or, or Hayward made it look like that. Yeah, Wanda was not going to see Vision. She was going to steal Vision and make her herself. That didn't happen, believe it or not. Hayward's a bad guy. And I don't know what big bad he is. I don't know what this Vision character is going to be either, but I think it is going to be awesome in this next episode. I'm expecting a big battle. Um, we didn't see any of Monica Rambeau, Photon, if you want to call her. We didn't see any of Quicksilver. We just got a look on how this hex was created, what caused Wanda to do this. And we saw Agatha's backstory. And then at the end, she called Wanda the Scarlet Witch, which is her name in the X-Men universe. So does this mean X-Men are coming? I, I don't know. I don't know. 
I think a Magneto cameo is certainly coming, personally. Uh, it makes the most sense in my brain. I think Doctor Strange will come as he's been teased a lot as of recently. Vision is still out there. I don't know if we're going to see a Vision versus Vision fight, the White Vision versus Wanda's Vision. Who knows? I'm excited. I hope you all are too if you're staying along and listening to me. Because WandaVision, episode 9 is coming Friday. And we'll all be tweeting about it on the timeline. Because I'm expecting nothing else but shock and awe. Alright, after the break, I had a 24-7 dunk champ idea and some throwback Thursday. We'll get to it here shortly. Alright, so we're beating the buzzer here. And I had an idea for the NBA and I tweeted it out at our page at nothing but airtime. You'll see some of the graphics coming out on that page, of course, at N-O-T-H-I-N-B-T-A-I-R-T-I-M-E. My idea today was kind of a loaded one. Um, obviously, we had Peyton Wester on a couple of weeks ago, well, about a month ago, I'd say, with the Royal Rumble, five weeks ago, I'd say. And, and the WWE has this title, the 24-7 title, the 24-7 championship. So when you have this slam dunk contest it shouldn't be this world title to go cross board comparison of the nba to the wwe it should be like the wwe 24 7 championship have the contest at the all-star break but make it fan vote so four guys go in i don't care whatever four that the nba puts in great whatever whoever wins it great you get the you get the trophy but after that you can be challenged at any time at halftime or post game whenever the opposition wants to, during the season or offseason. So to explain, if Zach Levine were to win the dunk championship this year and he goes to play Orlando and it is a game in March, Aaron Gordon after the game or at halftime be like, hey, Zach, I want to challenge you to a dunk contest. And bang, NBA posts a, a poll. Who won first dunk? Who won second dunk? Who won third dunk? Best of three. Trophy can switch hands. Gets people watching mid-market, smaller market games. I think this is an awesome idea. NBA, hire me because this could be something great. All right, throwback Thursday. I went with ad campaigns and commercials. And the first commercial I wanted to highlight was the MVP, Most Valuable Puppets commercial. Kobe and LeBron, Spike Lee even comes in a little bit. All-time classic. Can't go anything wrong with there. Another all-time classic, Dikembe Mutombo at Geico. Blocking people's groceries, giving them the finger wag, saying no, no, no. That's awesome. Love to see that one. Be like Mike, all-time classic, looking at the Gatorade commercial. How about another Michael Jordan when him and Bird showdown for the McDonald's sandwich? That's a good one. Even got a remake here in the past few years. And then rounding out the throwback Thursday, jingle hoops with Derrick Rose, Kevin Durant, Steve Nash, Harden, and Steph Curry. There's a good NBA Jeopardy question. Who was on that commercial? As that's one of the more beloved NBA Christmas commercials of all time. You wouldn't guess that Steve Nash on the Lakers was on that commercial. So that concludes our Throwback Thursday. As always, I will tweet it out on our page at Nothing But Airtime. You can go follow us there. You can check us out on Reddit. I'll be posting in a lot of different subreddits. And then as on Facebook, on my Facebook, Cole Reigns, I always post links in different groups to share. That closes our show for today. A lot of TV and movie talk, not so much NBAs. We're heavy on that on Tuesday. I look forward to seeing you all next week. But before we do that, let's all have a great weekend.